concern. And then we know that people with chronic diseases, so diabetes, heart disease, um, obesity, and lung disease tend to have worse outcomes from COVID-19 once they uh, contract it. What if I told you that you had the power to change your life today just by choosing what you will eat next? Welcome to the podcast, Eat Your Best Life, where together through interviews and conversations, we dig deep into the power of plant-based nutrition and other lifestyle changes in enhancing your life both physically and spiritually. If you are ready to level up concerning your health, then this is the show for you. I am your host, Cersei Blue. Let's do this. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Eat Your Best Life. I'm your host, Cersei Blue, aka The Faithful Vegan. I hope everyone had a blessed week. Um, I really had an amazing three weeks. Um, Over the past three weeks, I have been collaborating with a few other people that are out there in the community um, with the same message as I do. I had the opportunity to do a live with Maria Homel. Um, she was on one of the podcasts a couple weeks ago. Also, the Urban Black Vegan, which he was on a podcast, if you go back to one of the early times. And lastly, I just did a Instagram Live with Whitney Minor from Eat Plants and Prosper. So it was really nice to just collaborate um, with others in the community and to just really make efforts as we're facing this pandemic to get the message out that eating healthy um, is part of the solution as we move forward. Um, as I always do before I jump into the wonderful episode I have for you today, I just wanted to remind you to please rate, subscribe, and write a review on iTunes if you are getting anything out of this podcast, as it does help me and the podcast to reach a larger larger audience. Um, I do hang out on Instagram at thefaithful.vegan. I am also on Facebook as The Faithful Vegan. And there is a private Facebook group for this particular podcast called Eat Your Best Life. So you can go ahead and ask to join that. So let's get to the episode that I have for you today. I had the wonderful opportunity to talk with the fabulous Dr. Judy Bragman. Dr. Judy is a board-certified internal medicine and lifestyle medicine physician who is dedicated to helping others live a healthier life. She is an advocate for a whole food plant-based diet, and she enjoys teaching individuals and groups on how to incorporate more plant foods into their diet. What I really love about Dr. Judy is that she is so down-to-earth, and she makes eating healthy and living well seem so easy because of her natural gift of just making the scientific slash medical concepts so easy to understand. She is the founder and owner of New Well Health, a boutique lifestyle medicine practice. Dr. Judy also helps individuals to make effective lifestyle changes that can prevent and reverse chronic disease. Dr. Judy is what I call fierce when it comes to educating her patients and the community at large on the power of a plant-based diet. In this episode, Dr. Judy talks about her journey to becoming the plant-based MD. She discusses in detailed the power of a plant-based diet to reverse, manage, and prevent chronic disease. She also talks about the link between chronic disease and the current pandemic. 
Dr. Judy gives the audience practical steps on how to transition to a plant-based diet without without any stress. She also outlines principles for healthy living and strategies to overcome roadblocks to reaching your health goals. Dr. Judy stresses the devastating consequences that poor health can have from a physical, emotional, financial, and spiritual standpoint. And she also goes into the important role that prevention plays in our health. In this episode, you will be challenged and inspired to eat your best life. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the fabulous, the fierce, and the front runner for food as medicine, Dr. Judy, the plant-based MD. Hello, Dr. Judy. Hi, Cersei. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. I am so excited to have you on this episode, and I'm just wanting to say that. Thank you. I'm so excited to be on the show. Wonderful. So let's jump right in because there's so much to talk about. Can you tell us about your personal health journey as it relates to why you chose to practice lifestyle medicine and your passion behind becoming the plant-based MD? So I have been plant-based for about five or six years now. And I initially started to become interested in plant-based vegan lifestyle in about 2011. And during that time, I was taking care of really sick patients in residency, and I wanted to figure out how can we actually not only treat chronic diseases that people already have, but how can we actually prevent them from developing those conditions? And so I would ask those questions of my attendings and whatnot, and no one seemed to have an answer. So I just started to uh, look up these things myself, in addition to meeting people that were vegan at the time, sort of sparked my interest in the vegan or plant-based lifestyle. And so since then, it's been a journey for me to learn more about the evidence behind it and the science behind it. And so I was really blown away to learn that there is substantial data advocating for and supporting a whole food plant-based diet. And in 2016 is when I first attended my uh, lifestyle Medicine Conference, American College of Lifestyle Medicine, and became board certified when they had the first year of that. I think that was in 2017 or 2018. And so it's been a journey for me since, I guess, 2011, really. Journey to one is to really help people to prevent chronic diseases and also use diet to be able to reverse certain chronic diseases. Because I believe that when you are in optimal health, you're able to think clearly and you're able to better fulfill whatever it is your purpose in this life is. So it has uh, lasting consequences uh, for me. And so that's why I'm so passionate about it, because I see how being ill, being in and out of the doctor's office or being in and out of the hospital affects one's finances. It affects their mental health and it takes up a large portion of their time. And so... Mm -hmm. You have to be in optimal health to be able to really be your best person, be your best self. Yeah, that's really powerful. I, I know I read a quote that you said that one cannot fulfill their purpose in life if they are chronically ill. And I, I think that's really looking at it from a real holistic perspective. I guess sometimes 
in the medical field, we don't necessarily see that holistic approach. So it's just kind of refreshing to see a doctor like yourself doing that. So let's dig a little deeper. Um, let's talk some yeah. about from a medical perspective, what are some of the benefits from adopting a plant-based diet, especially as it relates to chronic disease? Sure. So I just want to say about the purpose, they can probably, they can fulfill their purpose, but they will be better able to do it if they are well mm-hmm. and healthy. Um, right. So benefits of plant-based diet. So first off, with regards to type 2 diabetes, um, the Adventist Health Study is really a good study that anybody should look at if they want to know more about vegetarian diets and vegan diets. And they basically showed that individuals that had a vegetarian or vegan diet had lower rates of uh, type 2 diabetes as well as heart disease. And they also found um, lower rates of colon cancer as well. So whole Mm. food plant-based diet has been shown to reverse type 2 diabetes and improve blood pressure and also help with weight loss. I know of several people who have been able to come off medications for hypertension and type 2 diabetes by adopting a whole food plant-based diet. I even had one patient myself who went completely vegan, whole food Mm plant-based, and he was able to come off of the three medications that he was on for type 2 diabetes. And I've had several patients who were typically eating uh, meat-heavy, dairy-heavy diet, you know, the typical standard American Mm -hmm. diet. And by simply incorporating more fruits and vegetables into their meals, they were able to reduce the doses of their medications and the hemoglobin A1C came down. And that's not an outlier. That's pretty much something consistently that I found and something consistently that my colleagues who are plant-based and lifestyle medicine focused that we've found that when individuals incorporate more plants into their diet, diabetes gets better and their hypertension gets better. Now, type 1 diabetes, it's not reversible, but you can significantly reduce the insulin requirements by mm-hmm. adopting a whole food plant-based diet as well. So I think of the diet as sort of a holistic treatment plan that can reduce your risk for getting many chronic diseases, help you to stay healthier, and reduce the chances that you'll need to be on medications or get sick in the hospital. Mm. So when you do meet with your patients, what are some strategies that you give them to transition? Is this something that for some people takes a very long time? Some people it's very fast or what are some key components to actually transitioning to a full plant-based diet? Yeah. So someone who's interested in in transitioning to a plant-based diet, they're already highly motivated. So they've like Mm -hmm. passed like the first two steps um, so to speak. So I like to make things real easy and simple. I don't really think it has to be uh, as complicated as people like to make it seem. So first mm-hmm. off, I encourage them to eat at least half of the food on their plate anytime they fix a meal should be fruits and vegetables. So for breakfast, you eat fruit and then for lunch and dinner, eat vegetables. And I recommend that they eat the rainbow. So make sure that the fruits and vegetables that you're eating are a variety of different colors because that way you have a variety of different vitamins, antioxidants, and nutrients that you're getting in. And then also encouraging them to aim for 35 grams of fiber a day at least. 
So a meal tracker or tracking their meals is very helpful to kind of keep track of how much fiber that they're getting. And then also giving them substitutes of things that they like to eat that may be um, with meat and dairy and then kind of giving them the plant-based substitute that they can use. So it doesn't have to be a cold, you know, cold turkey, so to speak, going from standard American diet to plant-based overnight. It could be a gradual change over time. It all depends on how much change the person wants to make and in what period of time. Okay. So, and I, and I know this from, you know, just working with different people and just hearing what, why do you think it's so difficult um, or what do you think are some of the roadblocks that prevent people from actually embracing this, this way of eating? Because I think there's more knowledge that's coming out day by day, just saying that, you know what, dairy and meat and all these other things, they're not as healthy, but because our culture is so ingrained in eating this way, you know, what do you think are some of the roadblocks and what do you think are ways that we can break that down? And I know going from the plant-based MD, the education platform that you have, you're really trying to make strides in those areas by really just educating people on that. So could you just talk a little bit about the platform and just how do we break down those, you know, common misconceptions Mm -hmm. and and our addiction to the American diet? Yeah, that is a a deep question and very important question because Mm -hmm. there are roadblocks that are set up and they're not even, I don't know if they're intentional or whatnot, but one is cultural. We have been culturally trained to believe that we need meat and dairy to survive. We have been trained to believe that we need meat for protein and that we need dairy for calcium. Although the evidence and the facts don't support that at all. So it really is a mindset shift because most cultures do eat meat um, you know, in the West and do eat dairy. So I think number one is a cultural um, beliefs that people have, and then family habits. A lot of people probably didn't grow up eating vegan and vegetarian, and the foods that bring comfort and bring joy, you know, maybe remind someone of their grandmother cooking or their mother cooking is probably something that has meat and dairy in it, you know, whether it be macaroni and cheese, fried chicken, um, potato salad, or something like that. So these are foods that people associate with love, warmth, and family, uh, and they happen to be, you know, animal-based. And so when you tell them that, you know, the foods that their parents have been feeding them, that their grandparents have been feeding are actually not healthy, I think it kind of does something to them internally where they're like, wait a minute, so you're just telling me that my family has been feeding me food that could potentially harm me? So I think it definitely takes a total mindset shift to kind of, you know, put that aside and focus on, you know, new information that may be completely new to that individual and then also a a bigger roadblock and this is where I try and fill the gap in is that healthcare doesn't advocate for necessarily or support a plant-based diet so that's from uh, insurance companies doctors nurses dietitians um, know very little about plant-based diet and what's even mind-boggling to me is that nutritionists dietitians who study nutrition they don't even learn about the benefits of a plant-based diet. They learn about it from a deficiency standpoint. That's what they're taught. They're taught 
that it's deficient in certain nutrients and whatnot. And it's a very small portion of their education and it's extremely one-sided. So what I try and do with my platform is to bring my healthcare experience, my scientific experience to sort of validate the plant-based world. And I got a lot of emails from people that are looking for a plant-based doctor because when they go to the doctor, they're not supported. They're not encouraged to eat plant-based. Others discouraged. And some of them are maybe even ridiculed a little bit. And it's really just because healthcare professionals do not know about plant-based diet. Unless you take the initiative to go research and read up on it yourself, you're not going to know. I didn't learn any of this in medical school or residency at all. So those are the things that I would say are probably the roadblocks. Mm, yeah, that's, that's, that's quite interesting. Um, and I think that's why your work is so important because I think hearing from a medical doctor, like validating, I mean, there's so many now more than there've ever been. It kind of gives people that confidence to kind of explore this way of eating and kind of realizing that there's truth to it. So, you know, it's, it's kind of difficult to have a conversation right now on March, what's the date today, March 5th, mm -hmm. 2020, without talking about COVID-19, yeah. because I know that it's on everyone's minds, but I think it's something that you've been already been talking about, because your platform has always been about eating healthy and, 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 and building your body just in general. But how does this overlap with what's going on with COVID-19? For example, a lot of the articles and research articles that's been coming out has been making a link between people who have chronic diseases and that the fact that they're more susceptible to um, having a, a more dire outcome when they catch COVID-19. Can you talk about those connections and, and why is that? Sure. Yeah, I do think that people now are afraid of getting COVID-19 and so they're looking at ways that they can prevent themselves from either getting it or, or really becoming sick from it so that's why it's important the stay-at-home initiatives you know the countries that are doing uh, complete lockdowns are really uh, on the right path as far as that's concerned and then we know that people with chronic diseases so diabetes heart disease um, obesity and lung disease tend to have worse outcomes from COVID-19 once they uh, contract it. And so there's a lot of data that's coming out like every day. And so we're still learning a lot about this disease. There's a lot that is really just not known about it. And there's a lot of, you know, anecdotal data and they're trying new studies and whatnot, new medications, different medications to try and treat it. So I don't think that they've delineated exactly what the mechanism is, but just based on what we know already about chronic diseases is that Chronic diseases is sort of a, I like to think of it as an inflammatory state or um, maybe an even slightly immunocompromised state, so to speak. I mean, people with diabetes are at increased risk for getting infections of any kind, you know, skin infections, wound infections. If a diabetic cuts their skin, um, especially if it's an uncontrolled diabetic, they're at a higher chance of getting an infection in that part of their skin. Uh, body and the skin where someone who doesn't have diabetes, their immune system will be able to, you know, like repair it and they may not get a bad infection from it. So just like how having chronic diseases increases your risk for getting infections in general, I think it's sort of 
translates over to uh, COVID-19. Mm. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, and I and I think uh, we discussed this earlier, but I think, I mean, there's no quick solution to get on the road of health. It's not like you start today and everything's going to be magically solved. But I think just having people begin to start to explore getting on that healthy road um, is still a place to start. So what would you tell somebody who's, you know, they, they have a chronic disease and, you know, they're afraid in COVID-19. And this is kind of like a wake up call to them. You know, I, I need to get healthy. I want to get on the better road. Where, where would you tell them to start? So I would suggest that they start with um, the mindset. Because right now, a lot of people are probably stressed and anxious. And it may be a bit more challenging to make a drastic lifestyle change if you're stressed and anxious. So it actually may not be the best time to make a huge drastic change for some people. So they really need to do like a check on kind of where they are emotionally. And probably dealing with the stress, I would say, would be the first thing that I would actually start with. So whether that be minimizing how much social media and news reports that you're looking at, um, because that's going to make you stressed and anxious and that's not going to help your health. So I would say finding ways to deal with stress, I would think would be the first one right now. And then secondly, um, is sleep. So we know that um, your hunger hormones are regulated by sleep. And so if you're not getting enough sleep, during the day, you're going to have increased cravings for food. So getting seven to eight hours of sleep is going to be key to helping people to be able to uh, make a dietary change and also stick to it. And a third thing I would say as far as going to the food, um, which you notice I focus on like mindset first because the mind is controls everything, um, is eating more fruits and vegetables. So like I mentioned earlier, about at least half of the food on the plate being fruit and vegetables. And right now is a good time uh, to focus on vitamin C. Uh, lemon, garlic, and ginger, I think, are really good. I recommend taking them actually all flu season just to prevent getting really sick from the flu and the cold. But loading up on vitamin C, vitamin D is important. But key thing is really just eating a lot more fruit and vegetables. And that's what I'm doing now more than ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's important. Um, and could you talk a little bit about, because I think sometimes during stress, we tend to eat emotionally. And one of those things we tend to grab towards, you know, for those of us would be processed foods. Can you? I know you talk a little bit about this on your platform, but could you just talk about the need, why we need to really eliminate processed food from our diet? Yeah, so processed foods, they, there was a, a graph in one, an article that showed how much of our calories in the U.S. we get from processed foods versus animal foods versus um, plant-based foods. And processed foods are like your cakes, pastries, um, and things like that. And about 60% of the calories are from processed foods and only 12% are from plant-based foods. And so processed foods really have very little or no nutritional value, most of them. Um, they're usually either high in sugar, fat, and salt, one of, one of those, and um, 
also tend to be high. Some of them are, you know, high in saturated fat, and some of them have trans fat too. And they also tend to be very low in fiber. So they really don't have a lot of those nutrients that you need to be healthy, to be able to fight uh, chronic diseases or any kind of infectious diseases. But yes, right now it's challenging to make sure that you're not gravitating to those foods. I actually posted about that today to my Instagram, but people want to buy foods that have a longer shelf life. So they may be tempted to buy those things that are processed and that last longer. But definitely want to encourage people to steal to focus more on fruits and vegetables. And you can buy frozen ones if you want. You can buy canned ones so that you have some that last longer. And they will it actually make you feel better. If you substitute, let's say, candy or cookies for something like blueberries or strawberries or even like dried fruit as a healthy snack instead, it's going to be a better choice. Yeah. Yeah, that is so true. Um, and I know you talk a little bit about the connection between what we eat and our mental health. Um, if, I think I've, I've seen that you have an ebook that talks about just how to live healthier overall. Can you just kind of give us a little bit of an insight as to just some of your um, tips in that area? Yeah, sure. So that uh, ebook is uh, something that I did through my lifestyle medicine practice website, New Well Health. And it basically talks about nutrition, what foods to eat, to stay healthy, uh, physical activity, so exercise, making sure that you're getting at least 150 minutes of exercise per week. Uh, going outside and getting fresh air and sunshine is also important. And then sleep. And all of these things are important. Sometimes people want to just focus on food, but it sort of really is a holistic, total picture kind of thing. And so sleep, focusing on getting seven to, seven to eight hours of sleep a night. And then in my patients that I see in clinic, I actually give them specific tips to help them to sleep better and uh, also focusing on stress management as well. Yeah, that's so important. Um, and, I, and I'm glad that your platform does that. It really kind of synergizes so many different areas and they all kind of, I guess, work together to, to give us that, that holistic health. So, mm -hmm. so what are you seeing for the future? Are you, are you getting a sense that people are more open to this? Are you helping more patients or what are you seeing in your practice? So right now I'm working mainly in the hospital with my employee position. And um, I'm seeing the usual, you know, um, complications from different chronic diseases, um, heart disease, diabetes, uh, pneumonia, and the flu. And um, most people are really just very concerned about getting coronavirus right now. Most people don't actually even want to come to the mm. hospital. Most people, anytime they cough or sneeze, they're worried that they have coronavirus. So it's a lot of alleviating people's anxiety about it and helping them to make sensible, wise, intelligent decisions and not to allow fear to overwhelm and consume them. Yeah, yeah, I could imagine. Um, so just to circle back, um, I know you, you talked a little bit about... Um, 
the the idea that when we're able to really be healthy overall, we have the best chance to live not only longer, but just like you said, better, right? Um, how does this all tie in? Because I, I know that from listening to your platform, you make a lot of spiritual um, connections with your health. And how do you make those connections for your own life? And, sure. And well, for all? me, I have the a deep desire to sort of to take care of my body because I feel like it's something that God wants us to do. I, you know, kind of think of it like you um, create like a painting or something or someone creates like a vase, you know, and they give you instructions for how to take care of the vase. And you show your appreciation for the person that made the vase by following the instructions, following the manual and taking care of it. So I believe in the same way, uh, I believe that God created us. Uh, in his image and the way that we show our gratitude for that and our appreciation is by taking care of the body that he gave us because we only have one life you only have one body and so once you've destroyed it it's a lot harder to actually restore health it's a lot easier to actually prevent it so i believe that as a christian as a human being i have a, a duty and a responsibility to take care of my physical body and sometimes i find that and um, sometimes I find that uh, believers may focus on the spiritual wellness and neglect their physical wellness, but they're both equally as important, I believe. And I think that if we don't take care of our physical health, it's, it's actually um, something that's displeasing to God. Mm, yeah. And it's interesting because you just wonder you know, for so many years, you wondered, how come we haven't made those connections, you know? Yeah. Um, and sometimes it ends up even affecting us spiritually because our emotions and everything else kind of all kind of gets entangled mm -hmm. together. Um, so anything else that you wanted to just say in terms of just advocating on why it's so important? I know we talked a lot about chronic disease, but what about someone who's they're younger. They mm. probably haven't developed any chronic disease yet. Let's talk a little bit about the idea of prevention, because I think like, like you said, prevention is better than cure. Can you talk about why it's so important that even if you don't have a chronic disease or you're not there yet to, to really Yeah, absolutely. Out? I'm so glad that you asked that. Most of the people that are on, you know, Instagram and whatnot are probably younger people and they probably feel invincible mm -hmm. in that, you know, they're not going to get this chronic mm -hmm. disease and that they're not going to get it. But the thing about let's say heart disease, for example, it's not something that you suddenly get when you're 40, 50, 60. It actually starts in childhood. And so there's studies that show precursors for heart disease in children as young as 10 in the U.S., um, fatty, fatty streaks in children as young as 10. So it gradually builds up over time of continually eating unhealthy foods, processed foods, meat and dairy, and deficient in fruits and vegetables. And it continues that way. And you won't have symptoms until, you know, mm. it's sort of further along or more advanced. And then all of a sudden it's like you're like, oh, chest pain when you walk or you notice that your blood pressure starts to get up. So what people don't realize is that you don't develop these things when you get old. They actually started when you were a lot younger and you just notice it once you get older because it's progressed that far. So the key thing is to prevent them from 
getting to that point, right? So, so that you don't have to do medications. I know a lot of people don't like taking medications. That's like a big uh, pain point I find for a lot of patients. So you can actually prevent yourself from having to be on blood pressure medications. And it doesn't matter who in your family had you know, a heart attack or stroke or anything like that, that doesn't have to be a narrative. I think in the, in the U.S., we sort of accepted that chronic diseases will be a part of our life, and we don't really know that it doesn't have to be that way. If you look at people that live in areas like the Blue Zones, so people in Norma Linda, people in Italy and Japan, there are certain pockets where people are living well into their senior years, 100 and above, and are still very active physically that are still able to work and live very vibrant, productive lives. So that's why I think it's important to eat healthy starting as young as possible so that you can sort of maximize your years because although we do have advances in medicine, we can give you medications. It really is just putting a bandaid on things. It doesn't actually get to the root cause. And so you ended up spending money on medicines and hospital bills and then your quality of life eventually will decline as you get towards senior years. So definitely young people, now's the time to get your diet right. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I, I think that's so interesting you said that because it's true when you're young, sometimes you're not even thinking mm -hmm. um, about health. Um, so even from a child, you know, what, what would you ad advise for a parent who's trying to raise their child plant-based? I know sometimes parents are nervous. It's like, okay, well, I could eat plant-based. Yeah, okay that's a good children. question. I know a lot of parents are concerned about that. And again, they um, want to know, is it you know healthy? I know a few plant-based pediatricians and nutritionists that kind of on their platform, they talk a lot about that. But absolutely, it definitely is healthy to have a child that's plant-based and is actually more healthy than other diets, I believe. And so um, there are different, you know, nutritional um, things to look into for a pediatric population, which I can't speak on because I'm not a pediatrician, but I do know that it's definitely healthy. Mm -hmm. And it's really a matter of you teaching your child what foods that they're going to like. So I know people that have children that are plant-based and they don't feed them junk food. They feed them healthy food. And so the kids ask for strawberries for snacks. You know, they want blueberries or they want, you know, something else that's healthy. So if you don't feed the children sugary foods, then they won't crave it, you know? So parents have the power to build habits mm. in their children. And they should really think of it as uh, their duty to help their child to live a longer and more prosperous life because like I said um, poor habits mm. start in childhood and you know one thing that I credit to eating healthy is that my parents were healthy we were pretty much vegetarian growing up for the most part we ate um, very little animal products so to speak and so those habits stayed with mm. you know myself and my siblings and even now, as I watch my parents, they're retired and they're almost 70 and they live pretty active lives. So parents definitely lay the building blocks for children to be adults that also eat healthy. 
Oh, nice, nice. So could you talk just a little bit about how, how did, how did your upbringing, and I know you just mentioned a little bit, how did that all kind of come into this whole thing with you being the plant-based MD? How did that all interplay? Because did you kind of always have that in the back of your mind? And not yeah, I thought it? I always had it in the back together? of my mind. And my mother, she's a nurse, but she's always been super health conscious and into herbs and um, natural remedies and food. And she would talk about eating garlic and ginger. You know, ginger is good for nausea and digestion. And she would talk about this herb and this supplement. And I was in medical school not really hearing about any of these things. So I would be like, mom, is that scientific? Is there a study about that? So I, we would kind of go back and forth. And, you know, in retrospect, I probably was not open to it at the time. Um, so when I was in residency and towards finishing residency, I started to realize that what we're doing in uh, Western medicine is really not enough. And I felt like it was sort of almost doing people a slight disservice. Mm. So then I started to kind of revisit, you know, the conversations that my mom and I had had about like basically food as medicine and what food to eat. And so, yeah, it's really quite interesting now. She's so thrilled that I've come around. She says, you've seen the lights because now we have conversations <laughs> about mushrooms and how she's eating blueberries to help mm-hmm. memory and how, you know, garlic is good for inflammation and help reduce your chances of infection. So yeah, we talk about all these things and um, yeah, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's interesting. My goodness. Yeah. Food is medicine. I think that that's, yeah. that's, that's it. Food can be medicine. I think Sometimes food right. just seems so common to us that it's just hard to imagine that, wait a minute, the foods that we're eating can actually heal yeah. us or destroy us. And we spend so you know? much of so, our daily lives yeah. centered around food. If you think about any gathering that you have, there's chances are there's going to be food. Any birthday, wedding, everything is yeah. centered around food. So we spend a lot of time eating. But then a lot of the food that we're eating is really yeah, killing us, thinking about killing it. people. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that's the thing. We spend so much time eating. So I guess we have to spend mm-hmm. a lot of time yeah. choosing what we will eat. And you yeah, can, that is so and you true. can that make so food true. taste good. It's really a matter of retraining your taste buds. So if you stop eating sugar, um, mm. added sugars, when you eat something that has sugar in it, like an apple pie, for example, or like a popsicle, it tastes too sweet to you because, you know, your uh, taste buds have changed. Mm. So it may be challenging at first, but after a while, you will get used to it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to stay the course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it might not taste good today, but if a week from now, then you right. will get over that hump. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So um, so tell us what's what's coming up for the plant-based doctor? What's coming up? What's what are you what are you going to be doing in the near future? Uh, tell us where people can find sure. you. So I'm on Instagram and Twitter uh, at the Plant Based MD, and I'm also on Facebook at the same. And I am recently started my YouTube channel, which is the Plant Based MD as well. So I'm going to be putting on a series of videos on there about how to stay healthy during uh, this COVID nineteen era, how to keep your immune system healthy. 
and also going to be sharing inspiration. So how to reduce stress, how to manage stress and things like that. So focused around uh, coronavirus. With regards to my lifestyle medicine practice that I recently launched last month, I've moved all of my visits to telemedicine or video visits. So uh, it's available for anyone who wants to either transition to a plant-based diet, who wants help improving their blood pressure, the diabetes or weight loss, and they want to work with a doctor to do that. So they can look up Newell Health. It's N-E-W-E-L-L and on Facebook and the website is mynewellhealth.com. Okay, wonderful. And we'll post all those links in the show notes. So whenever I close with every guest, I ask them this, this question. The show is called Eat Your Best Life. So I always ask, what three things would you recommend for the picnic basket to put in your picnic basket to eat your best life? Now, this could be literal, metaphorical, whatever you decide. Just what are top three things that you would put uh, in your doesn't picnic have to be basket food? of health? Oh, Okay. It doesn't have to be food. It can be, um, but it could be both. I would put, for me, I would put the Bible in there. <laughs> um, and then I would put mm-hmm. um, some sort of fitness gear, so some sneakers. And then I would put okay. some green leafy vegetables like kale and then some broccoli. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Judy, for being on this show. It was so informative, and I think it's going to be a blessing to those who listen. And um, yes, and I would love to have you on again. Thank you so much for having me on here. I am so excited to do this, and I can't wait to share the links with everyone. All right, wonderful. It was wonderful speaking with you. Thank you, you as well. Stay safe. All right. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Eat Your Best Life, the podcast. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes. Until next time, thank you for listening.